Welcome back to It's a Woman's World, an inclusive space for women and young girls to connect and lift each other up as we hear from inspiring women leaders from all over the world. Joining us today is Rachel Friedman. She is the Director of Workforce Programs at Girls Who Code, an international nonprofit organization with a mission to close the gender gap in technology through educational immersive programs. So I just wanted to say thank you for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, and I'm so excited to interview you today. So excited to be joining you today. Great. So to start us off, uh, tell us how you got involved with Girls Who Code. What has your journey been like leading up to your current role as a director of workforce programs? I've told this story so many times. And every time I think about it, it always surprises me as I continue to reflect back that I really started my educational journey being very fascinated by how people learn. I was really curious about what are the best ways for people to learn information. And in college, I had decided I had figured it out and I had decided it was arts education. I was like, I think that's the best way people learn. And so I was really focused on arts education when I was in school. And when I left school, I pursued various arts education roles at cultural institutions in New York. So I was working on and off Broadway. I was working for arts service organizations, doing a lot of really amazing work focused on K through 12 education. And what I realized to my absolute horror a couple years into my career is that I actually didn't prefer to work with young kids. I really mm -hmm. loved with folks who already had a sense of what they were interested in, already were thinking about what comes next. How do I make those life decisions about what comes next? And so I started aging up. It was starting like, started with the high school. I was like, maybe it'll be high school. And then I, I think I overshot and I started working in graduate school space and working with colleges and universities across the country about recruiting for graduate school. I had the opportunity to travel the country presenting at conferences about how do you decide when to pursue that next stage of education. And what I realized is undergrad was my sweet spot. I really loved the space of the first steps in figuring out what your career was going to be. When do you identify that major, that minor? How do you really figure out that passion and where you're going to lead your career? And so I got an amazing opportunity um, at New York University, NYU, to build an undergraduate career development office for um, one of their largest undergraduate departments. And it was such an amazing opportunity to build out new courses for the department, to think about what does one-on-one -on -one career counseling look like? What does it look like to really work with um, organizations on how do they hire? What do they look for? And it was really amazing. I was there for about four and a half years. I was teaching and I was developing this office, developing these new classes. And what I realized is that the arts part that I had started this whole journey with was not actually my passion point. My passion point was the career development, was building new programs that felt like it helped individuals start to identify where do they want to go, help them gain the mm -hmm. skills, the access, meeting employers to make those career transitions. So that led to me applying for um, my work at Girls Who Code. It's a very different industry, tech and the arts, very different. But what I realized that career development and workforce development at its core was very similar. Um, that the questions for people that pursuing undergraduate degrees or pursuing other educational pathways were the same. And what I was excited about is Girls Who Code has in 
huge reach. And so many folks are coming to Girls Who Code looking to find their pathways. And I was just really excited to start building out workforce programs. Um, our workforce programs are only three years old. So I was hired to really build them out. And I'm really excited to say in the last year and a half, we went for a team of one, which was just me, to now uh, my team is uh, five full-time folks and we have about 10 part-time staff. So our team has exploded in the last year and a half, which really is a testament to the amount of folks in the world who want this education, who want these programs, who are eager to get connected to employers. And so that's really what led me to Girls Who Code. It's been a winding path to figure out how to get here, but I'm so excited to see the continued growth and continued interest in helping um, underrepresented genders find their pathways in technical roles. Wow, that is an amazing story. I can just tell like from you saying your journey that you're just incredibly passionate about career development. And as a college student myself, I can say firsthand that, you know, talking to my counselors and meeting with mentors has been really fundamental and instrumental in me kind of trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. Uh, I feel like if I didn't have those people around like you, uh, I would not know what I want to do with my life or after college. And so having those people in the world, uh, especially focus on career development, professional development, being that kind of shoulder to lean on when you don't know what to do is really like it's very important to have, especially for young minds. We don't exactly know what's ahead of ahead of us in the future. So it's really nice to have someone to kind of talk to based ideas off. And I can just tell once again that you're just incredibly passionate about this and uh, it's incredible to see that you've worked from the arts, education, and now you're more in the tech side. Of course, Girls Who Code has such an amazing, um, amazing mission with closing the gender gap in technology. And I just love any kind of work that involves empowering young girls and women. So thank you so much for doing that. Regarding your work and uh, what your position looks like, what does a typical day in your role look like? And what is the favorite part of your job? I am someone who really likes variety. I, you know, I've gone through a lot of different roles. I've gone on my whole career journey. And one of the things that I realized is, and I think this is okay to say, that I get bored pretty quickly. Um, I get bored with doing one thing over and over. I want to be able to express my creativity. I want to be able to think strategically. And so one of the things that I really love about my job is every day feels a little different. But with that being said, I would say there's some themes that always emerge every single day. As I've mentioned, um, I have a team who I absolutely love working with. They're all such passionate, creative, and driven individuals, and I just feel very honored to work with them. So part of every single day is checking in with team members. That could be helping to review documentation. That could be thinking big questions and saying, what are we going to do about this? This could be... Mm -hmm things where we talk about what's coming up. How do we strategize? How do we plan? It could be being in program. We're actually with participants leading programs. So that work with my team looks different every day, but there's always some component of us coming together, touching base with team members. I'd say another big part of my role is long-term planning and big picture thinking. I absolutely love this part of my job. It's what I think I'm really great at. And I think it's something that allows me to take a step back from the day to day, the how are we building the Zoom breakout rooms for that one program? 
take a really big step back and say, what does the next six months look like? How are we planning for that? How are we working across the organization to make sure all of our team members are working in tandem, everyone's clear on next steps? And then there's the piece of that strategic work, which is more focused on, uh, right, in this exact moment, AI is top of mind for so many folks. How are we thinking about that for our programs? Are there ways we can be integrating that into our thinking? Do I need to be reading up more on what are the trends? Who should I be talking to to make sure that I'm educated on that? To be thinking about how to incorporate that into programs. So then there's so there's this like planning strategic piece, which I absolutely love. And then there's kind of the day-to-day -day piece that I really like. I love building docs. I love building spreadsheets. I like making things pretty and organized. And that might seem very simple and small, but having more organizational systems, more agendas built, more clean documentation, images to help everyone understand the scope, the breadth, what are we trying to achieve, the better. And so I do spend a good amount of my day doing organizing, task management, project management pieces. So I would say teamwork, strategic thinking, and that organization piece, it, every day it touches on at least those three. Wow, it sounds like you're using like every part of your brain to kind of form one cohesive job and make sure that everyone is on the right track, you're checking in with everyone. I really love that aspect, especially since you get to use your creative side as well with uh, maybe making projects or doing Excel sheets, spreadsheets. I personally love that work because I think it's so powerful whenever you can make something that looks difficult or is kind of hard to understand, accessible and easy to read for everyone that's on your team or someone that's accessing that information. And so I think that's a really important part that anyone even outside your job should have that ability to kind of make sure that whatever information they're getting in should be easy to relate to others and you know, kind of making that information accessible to everyone. And I think that's uh, that's such a great part of your job. But what is the favorite part of your position? If you had to pick one, I know there's a lot. <laughs> there is so many things. But I really do think that strategic piece is my favorite. I really like thinking big picture. I like to think about what is the impact of the work we're doing. I like to think really intentionally about how are we creating something Girls Who Code always says instead of safe spaces is brave spaces. How are we creating spaces where women and non-binary folks feel like they can lean into areas of discomfort, feel like they can speak up. Um, and so I really like that very intentional strategic thinking to make sure that we're achieving our goals and that we are serving our community as best as we can. Of course. So what has been the most rewarding experience um, of this job? And, uh, you know, what is the ultimate goal that you hope to achieve in this role and with Girls Who Code? I mean, Girls Who Code has this immense mission of closing the gender gap in entry-level technical roles, which I think is so incredible to see the tangible results of what we're doing. I think Girls Who Code's programs span from third grade all the way through folks in their early career. And it is really incredible to see the progress tracked from those third grade individuals who maybe were with one of our first groups 10 years ago, who are now starting college, in college, graduated from college, you know, mm -hmm. and we're that track. And then not only track through getting a computer science degree, but then also actually getting a job even better at one of our corporate partners companies because they met them when they were in high school in one of our summer immersion programs. So I think mm -hmm. the results and the rewarding piece is how tangible it is to see 
impact of bringing people together in sisterhood to be able to see the impact of making sure that everyone has access to resources, that they have access to learning, that they are being connected to employers. And when you do that work, we see the results. We see that the graduation rates for folks pursuing computer science degrees are so much higher than the national average when they have community on campus. We're seeing that um, the persistence into a career is so much higher than the national average because they have community, because they have the resources, because they have that space to ask questions, right? You were just talking about looking for mentors, making sure you have the resources to say, where do I go next? Not everyone has a clear answer of where do they go next. And we wanna make sure that we have individuals they can reach out to, resources they can come back to, to to help them continue to pursue that. And so I think that that feels very rewarding day to day to see those very tangible results. Every time we see a Girls Who Code alumni say, I just got my first job doing this, it every single one feels just as rewarding and impactful as the next. And then I would say that the ultimate goal is broad, but I would say for workforce programs, we want to make sure that we are reaching everyone who's interested. And that takes time to scale up our programs. And we're so excited by the interest in the programs that we're seeing and the communities that that's forming. We have a really active Discord channel, which has so many community members on it. And it's amazing to see day to day someone saying, I hit this problem in one of my courses and this homework is like really stumping me. Can somebody help? And someone's saying, yeah, sure. Let's join a Zoom call. Let's like talk through it. It's so small, right? That's two people talking in a grand scheme of trying to close the gender gap in this specific area of the workforce. But that connection bleeds out to other, you know, connections and it continues to connect and connect and connect. And so the impact just feels so immediate, so tangible. And I'm just always excited to see every single one of those moments. That's really beautiful, especially I can tell that your job really focuses in on like the one-to-one personalized individual interactions between girls. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like you said, it may not seem big, but having those one-to-one connections where you know, you're seeing a woman grow into this beautiful person about to embark on a computer science journey or any technical role. Um, It's just, it is amazing to see that tangible effect. And, you know, they're going to have, they're going to continue to have such a great impact on other girls and young women that need to see more representation of women in STEM and women in technology. And that is really amazing. I love that. And for me, especially, I like growing up in elementary school to middle school, high school, I would never, I was thinking about computer science and the tech world in the back of my mind. But of course, I didn't find that community, as you mentioned, and I wasn't, you know, feeling as confident or I wasn't feeling pushed to really enter that world. But entering college, I found this completely different landscape of women and resources that were more than happy and helpful to kind of guide me on this journey. And in particular, there was one professor, female professor, who was in statistics and the STEM field. And she was kind of the reason why I made the switch to statistics instead of government, because I was able to see someone, a woman in that role, you know, commanding a great class. She also had industry experience. And, you know, I wanted to, I I felt like I felt myself wanting to be that person. And as you mentioned, community is such a great aspect of encouraging young girls and women to take on these roles. Um, because I mean, there's so many open spaces and I know that we can do such great work and there's so much potential for whatever women are entering technology. So yeah, that's amazing. Okay, so 
What are some of the challenges you faced as a woman in the professional world? Maybe something that you faced um, in your educational journey or something in your professional role? I think that something that I became aware of very early in my professional journey was that I wanted to be a leader. I knew that. I really liked working with people. I liked setting a vision. I really loved being given opportunities to to take on that role. And I would say early in my career, that was something that I saw others having the opportunity to do. And I quickly realized that those tended to go to my male colleagues, that they tended to go to folks who looked older or were older, and I felt ready. And reflecting back, I do think I had the skills. I just wasn't given the opportunity to really take on those roles. And I was told repeatedly, both from male and female supervisors and managers, that I wasn't ready, that I needed more time, that I needed to slow down, that I needed to really like learn from others more. And in retrospect, I don't think I did. I needed the right people to be able to foster that drive, to be able to really help me identify where I needed to continue to learn, to grow. I definitely had a lot of spaces where I needed to learn and grow, but I wished that I had been given that opportunity, that I felt like I was seeing some um, folks who weren't women having that opportunity. Mm -hmm. That happening so early in my career broke me down a little bit. I think that it made me ask for opportunities less, that it made me advocate for myself a little less. And the ripple effect of that feels kind of massive, that it meant that I wasn't advocating for raises when I really should have been. It meant that I wasn't asking for opportunities to lead a project. I was saying, well, no, I guess I still need to learn. So I need to sit back and I need to watch others do it. And I could see kind of in I would say around the five to seven year mark into my career that I really took a big step back. I stopped pushing. I stopped asking. I stopped requesting. I stopped advocating for myself across the board. And it took me a while to gain back the confidence to be able to be in a place where I'd say, wait, 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 no, I should still be asking for that. And the worst that people can say is no, but that I need and want to surround myself and be in a career position where people are excited to present opportunities, excited for career growth, saying that you want to do that? Absolutely. How can we support you with that? How can we make sure that you are conscious of where you still need to grow and lean in and offer opportunities to stretch where you're strong? And I think that I wasn't really given those opportunities until I got to NYU and my role there. And I think that that felt huge for me, given the space to create, innovate, to collaborate with industry leaders, that felt like my sweet spot. I was like, this is it. Given that opportunity, I feel like I can produce a lot. I think I can do it at a high quality and with guidance and support from amazing people around me that I could accomplish so much. But those challenges, they really, it wasn't just the one moment of someone saying something that impacted Mm -hmm. me for years and took a lot of reflection and a lot of drive and a lot of hushing those voices in the back of the head. That imposter syndrome was very real of being able to say, no, I can actually be a leader. I can actually take on that work. Um, But it isn't just one moment and you experience it and it's done. 
it's that how does that impact the way you view yourself, the way you think about the opportunities you have for yourself for years to come? And I'm really proud of where I work. I absolutely love working at Girls Who Code, but I think it's also partially the environment that's created there, that is a, you want to do that? Let's see how we can make it happen. And really creating open spaces for advocating for oneself, for my colleagues. How can we make that a regular part of our work? Which I think is unfortunately a little unusual, at least in my career path, to be in a space that really wants to foster that. So I'm really, really grateful for all the work that Girls Who Code does in creating that culture. But it was a, a massive challenge for me to, to overcome those early obstacles. Yeah, of course. I love that you kind of mentioned advocacy. I hadn't really thought about it before, but there is a kind of advocacy where we need to speak up for ourselves and, you know, kind of take that front seat driver uh, aspect in our lives and, you know, kind of just say like, I don't care what other, everyone else says, or I need to stop, you know, thinking about this kind of mindset or have this kind of fear where I'm afraid to take these opportunities. I really love that when you think about advocacy, um, when, when it comes to fighting for yourself, you're kind of dispelling all these notions and, taking that front seat. And I think a lot of women do struggle with that, especially me, um, you know, being in college and kind of trying to figure out what I want to do with the world. I do feel lost sometimes, but it's also even harder whenever I try to get my way into certain doors or opportunities and they're usually shut or, you know, they don't have as much faith in me because I'm a woman. And um, I think, you know, having that mindset where you're determined to not let anyone, you know, kind of brain down on your dreams and, you know, having the courage. I think, as you mentioned, taking like having a brave space where you can fall back on and have people to encourage you to take that uh, step of faith and leap into the future, whether it's, um, you know, whether if it, even if it's unknown, I think that's very important to, especially for young girls to have an environment where you can be nourished and you can grow up into the person that you're meant to be. Um, but yeah. Well, I appreciate you saying that because I think that it, isn't talked about enough how one door closing, right? We have the saying one door closes, another opens. That's great, but you have to seek out that other door. And that that, that searching for that is actually not easy and takes a lot of mo personal motivation, a lot of drive, a lot of resilience that I don't think we talk about enough. And I think it takes saying, that's okay, what's next? That's fine, what's next? And what I really appreciate, um, about what I'm seeing from a lot of our Girls Who Code alumni is that that personal drive leads to, do I need that yes from someone else? Or can I give myself mm -hmm. that? Can I just build it myself, right? That can I just say, I wish this existed instead of going to someone and saying, hey, can you make this? Can I just make it? And I think yeah. that was so exciting and was something that I feel like I did very in very small ways throughout my professional journey and wish that I had taken those bigger risks, wish that I had been brave enough to say, I'm just going to do that myself and I'm just going to see how it goes. I'm going to take it as a learning opportunity and ask for help and be not embarrassed to ask for help. I think that's a really big piece is being mm -hmm. brave. I don't know how to do this. Can you help me? Um, and doing that from a place of confidence to say, I'm trying to learn. And I would love for you to be part of that, I think is huge in moving forward and giving yourself the credit and confidence to, to take on anything that you're passionate about. Of course. I think if you view yourself as kind of the director of your own story, everything changes in a completely different way. You 
have this, you know, unlimited control to do whatever you want with your life and pursue your dreams and passions. And of course, like you said, we do need to normalize asking for help, especially as women and young girls. I have definitely felt like I would be perceived as weaker or less knowledgeable if I didn't know exactly what to do. And maybe my male counterparts knew what to do. I definitely didn't want to be seen as below or not as smart. But once I you know, started to be the director, I realized that not everyone is going to know everything. And, you know, it's just more opportunity to kind of continue my path of growth and just making sure that I surround myself around people that are supportive and that want to see me succeed as much as I want to see my other friends succeed as well. I think, you know, having an environment where it's positive, it's not toxic, and we don't have these um, traditional notions of society regarding women or men standards. And yeah, I think, um, yeah, there's a lot of hope to be held for women and young girls around the world. Um, but who has been your biggest inspiration or greatest role model to date? Um, I think I'm going to talk about a group of people. Um, I was very fortunate to grow up very close to my cousin. Um, and I was one of the youngest by quite a bit. My oldest cousin is, I think, 11 years older than me. So by the time I was in high school, they were all pursuing their careers. They were out of school. They had already started. And I talk about them as a group because they all took drastically different life paths. And they all had drastically different challenges and different strengths. And having this group of people who I saw regularly, knew them so well, spent all of this time with them on either family trips or, or any time that we had, I got to see what does it look like to pursue an MBA? What does it look like to um, work in public health? What does it look like to work as a video producer? What is it like? They were all pursuing such different paths and they were all doing it with self-awareness, confidence, um, acknowledgement of when things didn't go right. And that piece of self-advocacy, I just deeply admired and really found a great sense of inspiration from the fact that I had cousins who were like, yes, I asked for a 50% pay increase because I was doing 50% more work than I was asked to do. And I was like, what? You can do that? That's amazing. Um, and, you know, I think that that it's a group of people, but even to this day, they've gone on to be such impactful leaders. I think that what we all have in common is we want to make a difference in the world that I learned so much from them every time we talk about work, that I am continually deeply inspired. One of my cousins just became an entrepreneur working in public health space. And what does it look like to our exact conversation to be the director of your own story, to lead where you think there is opportunity to lead? She didn't wait for that opportunity to come. She took it. Um, and I am continuously really inspired and very aware of how they have shaped my passion and how they have shaped my drive and how they have shaped my ability to ask for what I know that I need. Um, and so I'm continually very grateful for that um, group of people in my life. Yeah, it's really amazing that your cousins are kind of like this source of support and they seem to have done different things from what you're doing right now. I think it's really great to have that exposure from an early age because there are so many paths and opportunities that young girls can pursue 
And especially seeing your cousins take that opportunity, as you said, instead of waiting for someone to give it to them, you know, kind of making sure that they get what they deserve, asking for that pay raise or doing something that, you know, they felt like they need to do. I think that's important to know, especially whenever you're starting out your career, that even if you are on like the bottom of, you know, the job chain or whatever, the pyramid, you still need to know what you deserve and you can't be afraid of asking for a pay raise or to say something to your boss that maybe you don't feel comfortable about within your workspace. You need to be self-aware, as you mentioned, and also know that um, these are certain standards and certain boundaries that I'm not going to uh, be, I'm not going to compromise on. And, you know, being able to advocate for yourself, being your own advocate. So yeah, that's, that's really great. Okay, so we've kind of, we're going to move on to the rapid fire questions round. So these will be a little more fun. Um, but just try to say whatever is on the top of your head. It's not going to be hard. Just five quick questions. Okay. All right. So describe yourself in three words. Um, driven. Playful. Empathetic. I can definitely see all of those about you. Uh, how do you like to start your day? Um, this is kind of boring, but I read through all of my like daily newsletters. Um, I love a good skincare routine and curly hair routine. So reading through the news, face, hair care. I have a lot of feelings about curly hair care. So, uh, doing a lot on that front. (laughs) No, yeah. Your hair looks beautiful. I definitely agree with the skincare and hair part. I think that's like also like so relaxing for me, especially if I have a busy day ahead, I can just like focus on myself and, you know, try to look nice for the day. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Name one food you can never give up. My favorite food in the entire world are cinnamon rolls. Could never give them up. Oh, I- my gosh. <laughs> I love seeing the Cinnabon stands, like, in the airport or just in other restaurants. Those are so good. <laughs> okay. What is your Hogwarts house? <sighs> this is a very this is a very intense question. I've... I feel like most people tell me I am either a Ravenclaw or Gryffindor. I feel like I, I could go either way. I can definitely see the Ravenclaw because you have a bunch of books behind you. But <laughs> I have been, <laughs> I have always been a fan favorite of Gryffindor. And last question, name something on your bucket list. Um, oh my gosh, so many things. Um, I really want to go to Greece. Yeah, I I would love to just do island hopping and seeing the beautiful blue waters, relaxing on the ocean. That is also one of my dreams. So that's pretty amazing. Okay, so we've passed the rapid fire question round. Congratulations. <laughs> but one last question, uh, just to kind of end on an uh, inspiring note for all those that are listening in. One last question. What advice would you give to young women entering the workforce, hoping to make a difference in the world like you are? I think all the things that we've talked about today, I think continue to advocate for yourself. Um, when, when and if you get no's, view that as opportunities to find your own pathway. And even if you start to hear that voice in the back of your head that says, no, I can't, this isn't the right place for me, try to take a step away from that voice and say, whose voice is that really? 
that really my inner voice or is that really someone else's voice telling me that I can't do something that I want to do? And I think that having the ability to assess and look and criticize that voice will serve you for the rest of your life. That's amazing. I think having this conversation for me personally has been like a, a great reminder for me to also advocate for myself. I feel like we get lost in the daily, like, busyness of our lives and we get caught kind of caught up in things that aren't as important to us. And so I really want to say like I thank you so much for, you know, kind of reminding me to take a step back and ask myself what's really important to me. Because it's really easy to get caught up in something else or get distracted by other things. And especially what you said about that inner voice. Like it could in my, yes, it's inside your head, but is it really you that's believing those things or is it a reflection of society? So thank you so much for your amazing advice and for being here today. I, I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to be here. Um, do you have any last words or anything you, you want to say before we end out the episode? Um, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate always having the opportunity to talk with folks who are curious and interested. And I think that one of the only things I want to say is I didn't start my career thinking that workforce development and career development was going to be what I did. I don't think people dream of that when they're young. Um, and I think that the joy that and passion that I feel about work came from knowing that I needed to pivot and continually pivot and continue, as you just said, listening to yourself. What do you want? What is best for you? And so I, I always say when I tell this whole career journey that I've gone through, it really has to do with following your passion, following your drive, even if it's different than what you majored in in college, even if it's different than what you thought it would be. Um, so I, I always think that's a, an important thing to emphasize through all of the context and background of things is always, as you just said, continue to listen to yourself and um, follow that passion and joy. Yes, that is amazing advice. And I myself will definitely try to follow that. So Thank you so much for being a guest on It's a Woman's World. Um, and yeah, thank you. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. This is your host, Gowri Rangu, and I'll see you in the next episode of It's a Woman's World.